Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking avians? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Sticks? What the fuck, Amalans? What the fuck, Arikans? What the fucking fucks? Holy shit. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hey, are you still up? Any of those can apply to you. Merry, happy uh, holidays. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I'm going to do something a little unorthodox right at the beginning so you know. And so I know I've told you. January 4th through 6th, I'll be at uh, Fort Lauderdale Improv in the Hard Rock up against Jerry Seinfeld in the casino. Some of you are saying, hey, maybe it's time for an episode. And I'm saying, okay, could someone call him for me? I don't know how to get hold of that guy. I don't know if he likes me or I'm on his radar or he gives a shit. But we are going to be working right across from uh, from each other. Maybe I just reminded you that Seinfeld's playing. And you're like, oh, fuck, man. I, I got to see Jerry. Come see me. I'll be at the, uh, at the Hard Rock Improv there January 4th through 6th. In Fort Lauderdale, or, or go see Jerry, or whatever. Hope maybe I can talk to him. We'll see. January 10th through 12th, Charlie Goodnights. Ooh, it's not called that anymore because I haven't been there in 15 years. Raleigh, North Carolina, Goodnights. I'll be there. By the way, Mike Lawrence is going to be working with me uh, in Fort Lauderdale. You've heard him on this show. Ryan Singer is going to be working with me in in Raleigh. You know him. And when I come back to L.A., this is a rare full-hour L.A. experience at the Ice House, Pasadena, January 13th. And for my Boston people, New England area, I'll be doing a live WTF and a live stand-up show at the Wilbur, February 8th. Both shows at that night. That's a lot of work. Not really. It's what I do, right? Did I say Merry whatever Christmas? Do you hear what I hear? I don't. I don't. Wasn't brought up with it. I don't. I don't hear any of it. It's. Uh, I hear that song uh, several times. That seems to be the only one that sticks in my head. Yeah. I mean, come. They told me. I know that one. Joy to the world. I know that one. Jingle bells. Jingle bells. I know that one. No. No. I know that one. Uh, Rudolph the red nose. I know that one. That's. By the way, all I know of all those songs, and then the melody. You know, just the melody. Maybe not the words. No, I probably know. I actually know a Latino one. De colores. Is, is that, I don't know. Is that a Christmas song? I had to sing it when I was a kid. And I went to, uh, yeah, I grew up in New Mexico. We all, we made biscuitos cookies with lard. I remember that. Lard and cinnamon. We had to sing those uh, songs. Hey, how about, who's on the show? Who's on the show? Blues Traveler. The, the boys from Blues Traveler are here. I'm not even sure where the opportunity came up for me to, to talk to these guys, but it's their 25th anniversary together. They put out a new record. They're they're always out there working. He's a fucking they're yeah he's an amazing fucking harmonica player, and they have some driving fucking music, and they got an interesting story. And uh, I had a great time in here with them. It, it was uh, they're fun dudes, man. Jersey baby, Jersey. Do you know what I know? I do not. I do not. That thing's very catchy. It's very catchy. Look, whatever it is, Jesus or no Jesus, whatever you believe in, I, it doesn't matter. 
You know, there's been a lot of horrible things going on in the world, he said in a general broad statement, not referring to anything specific, but we all know what we're talking about. And uh, it's very easy to say, like, oh, my family, oh, I got to go, I got to buy presents. Any excuse that you have, whether you want to or not, to spend time with those people that either love you or you love or brought you up or ruined you or you know, made a mess of your life or whatever it is. You know, there's a very short menu in, uh, of how people make a mess of things, but it's all sometimes repairable. And I'm starting to get to this, not melancholy or nostalgic, but, you know, you get older, it's like, you know, well, this might be it. There's a real good chance. So uh, maybe I should take this in and do the best I can. And there's an excuse to, to give people presents. It's very nice. It's an excuse to spend time with family members, to transcend whatever bullshit and maybe have a good time and fuck it man take advantage of it do you hear what i hear do you see what i see i don't know i don't know but i i do want you to have a good holiday and i know today is christmas eve do you open your presents tonight or tomorrow some people open them tonight do you do the boxing day thing you know maybe i'm jealous man you know the christians had all that had all the fun stuff you know there's no cryptic language you know there was a tree everything happened all at once it's this flurry of gift yeah i mean you know as a jew you rationalize like you yeah, we get one present a night yeah but so what all at once man how many more are there is this one for me too those aren't things jews say really the, all four of these are for me oh my god and what that thing in the garage is too nope we don't say that we say i wonder what we're gonna get tomorrow but as you get older, none of it fucking matters. Thank you for the Christmas cards from all of you. I appreciate it. This is very lovely. I got a bunch of cards. I got a bunch of well wishes. I'm getting records. I want to thank the guy from uh, the band Caliphone that I never heard of. It's interesting. People were sending me vinyl and I love it. But uh, I never heard of this band. This guy lives out here. His name's Tim Rotoli. He sent me all their back uh, catalog and a new record and more records are coming in. I love it. If that's how you want to make the trade, if that's the deal you want to broker, thank you, Mark, for providing all this free entertainment. Here's some records. I'm all up for it. But I know that day is going to come where I'm going to be thumbing through my records just like I flipped through my iPod, and I'm going to be like, ah, fuck. I don't like any of them. But not yet. That hasn't happened. Thank you for the cards again. I want to repeat that. And also, some guy came up to me at the comedy store last night, a fellow named Richard Parks, who I believe is a writer, just handed me a bottle of pickled peppers, thanking me. A uh, very nice look. I'm not tooting my own horn here, and and I'm very uh, humbled and grateful that that so many of you get so much out of this show. And uh, and it's the season to feel that. And there's a lot of people in a lot of pain out there. Uh, keep that in your heart. It's not easy for anybody. All right, and it's certainly much harder for many right now. So uh, so remember that, and uh, you know try to be nice to the people that fucked you up. All right. I, I think that I think Jesus said that. Are you ready to hang out with some Jersey guys, with Blues Traveler, with John and Chan? These are big boys, big bar rocking boys who like to talk and jam. We're gonna do both of them. So uh, here we go. Let's talk to Blues Traveler. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? You guys are old enough to be like, you have these old school stories about your roots. Oh, not, God. not to mention that we've been together a quarter 
century. 25 years. 25 years. Blues Traveler. When you I can know. throw century down. I know. It's century. It's cool and really unsettling all but yeah, at once. But like, you need sort We've of been a band longer than Prohibition. There Twice you go. As long as sure, probably. man. You remember Capone and his crew? Yeah, the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. The entire Third Reich, half as long as the band. That's right. Yeah, and and uh, well, they did more damage, thank God. Well, it's early yet. Give us time. We're, we're we're subtle. You're still building. <laughs> That's open. How, how That's is open the blues? Yeah, we're still going. <laughs> how is the blues traveler army holding up? We're more like Stalin. Okay, our troops are uh, are generally in disarray, but that's how we like the formation to seem <laughs> yeah. to the opposition. Uh huh. Yeah, it's all a part of our master plan. <laughs> yes. Good, as well and we as you, strike. As long as you've got the plan. You're like, they don't have any idea what they're doing, and that's when we come in. <laughs> yeah. We well, don't have any idea what It's like what the Charles doing. Bronson movie where someone calls and goes, miles to go before I sleep, and they spring into action. Bam. Yeah. Like Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian, exactly. They're all going to wake up. Yep. I'm bad at movie references. I'm sorry. That, that yeah, was uh, I think Frank Sinatra was in that movie. That was, yeah, uh, I was mentioning Kane and then uh, yep. Charles Bronson did a cheapo version later. But yeah, that's right. I'm good at sci-fi. We could talk sci-fi. I'm no good at sci-fi. Me neither. Yeah. So wait, let's. <laughs> I know the Game of Thrones um, would that's suck not without sci-fi. the lesbian that's makeup fantasy. session. Oh yeah, fantasy yeah, sci-fi. I, I, you know, I'm good I, at fantasy as well. I don't dabble in either of them. I find them both tedious. And uh, I have a question for yeah. a that's fantasy sci-fi fan, Chan. How do you feel about people going to Renaissance fairs dressed as Spock, pretending to go back in time as Trekkies? Uncompletely unacceptable, and I've been to. I think it is the coolest idea ever. I've been to many Renaissance fairs. Yeah, with my nerd son. Yeah. God bless him, Aiden. And it's all about the women in, in the, the wenches garb, wenches and, and, and tankards and large. Uh, lamb but what, but what, what is legs. the window of time that they're allowed to dress for? I mean, that's it, what kills me is that some of them are dressing like Visigoths, some okay. are dressing like right, right. Oh, but it's a Renaissance. That's a real nerd a rena- who knows the no, difference. No, no, that's, no, 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 that's a history buff. No, that's, that is that belt will the not. The original fly. Renaissance fair yeah. started here in the Los Angeles area. Of course huh? it did. And there are no, <laughs> yeah. there are no Vikings allowed. You can't walk around with a Viking helmet. Yeah, the, the Renaissance was post Middle Ages. Was really what it was. It should, they should be like Leonardo da Vinci is what they should be dressing like. That was the real Renaissance. What a buzzkill, John. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I hated to ruin that every. Everyone who's been to a Renaissance fair, but you're dressed I've completely never, in a It's really more like Dark Ages. It should been. be a Dark Ages fair. But it's cool. It you know, they, they it, do yeah, like blown any... glass and they overspend. But the best part is you walk through this entire like three-hour gauntlet in the hot L.A. sun of wenches and yeah. It just made me realize I wish and I was- And at the very <laughs> end, they do like hardcore jousting. Yeah. Like right now- well, on, they the horse, have this on the horses. Extre- yeah. On the horses. They yeah. have this- They do a whole like- Nobody dies. Sk- it's not hardcore. But it's an extreme <laughs> jousting. Sometimes it happens. And yeah, the great part is like, not welcome. You, you know, you finally get there with your like eight-year-old kid and this thing starts. And next thing you know, they go through this whole skit and somebody's neck gets slit and they have like uh, the blood- yeah. spewing out yeah. and like moms are grabbing their kids they yeah, go everyone's that's crying awesome. hardcore yeah. Yeah. that's a stunt spectacular it's awesome. that's, why, that's their big closer they but, wait but, to do that but they blow glass it's, at every one of these things there's blowing glass all kinds of crap that just made me realize I wish my name was Philip Glass because I'd go to these things and go hey I want to blow glass yeah and then you've got kind of plink on it in a very rhythmic way. not down. Or, but let's get to these Star Trek guys, because that is they really- They have their own convention. But see, it's so cool that they're going back in time. They're playing along like cool. they're time travelers. But how many travelers. times can you do that joke? Okay. Like, hey, I'm Spock. I'm here from the future. How okay, often okay. do you get to how go to this? an entire time where people are dressed one way? you got to go to the Western I know, but I, I get it. But like, is there a Spock at every Renaissance Fair trying to pull that same shit? No. It's okay. not a joke to them. They're playing Spock. They no, no. really think okay. they're back in time. I'm showing up at the next- This is for the Trekkies. I'm showing up at the next Star Trek convention night in a night outfit yes yeah, so how funny? did i get here no they would welcome me they'd be playing along saying no, they oh no I someone got in our they, time warp and we have to no like, educate him i don't know if they'd welcome there's me. no welcome i'll I'm, bet you they would or, that's a good test somebody has to go as a 
Renaissance the one person. in LA, which is awesome. Yeah. Spock walking around mm-hmm. would get gutted. Well, I wonder how. I think if you dressed up in any of these outfits get, in LA, you get shot. Ordered. Somebody would get shot it's if you sorry, went to I'm one saying, of these. It's sad that it's so exclusionary. Yeah, both in it's both not directions. Not exclusionary yeah. as long as you're wearing some you kind of corset. You are all dorks. So you, know, you share do? the dorkdom. Why are you hung? Why are you hung over, John? What happened last night? Do you um, remember? Uh, I do remember. There was drink. We wanted to go to Kai Sushi, he which was awesome, escapade. but it was yeah. it was quite full, and so we went to the Italian restaurant in Hollywood. No, no, in Santa Barbara. So you were in Santa Barbara. You guys did a show up there? No, we were in, uh, where the hell were we? Uh, Ventura. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, we Close played to, yeah. We played with Dr. John. It was fun. Really? Yeah, Dr. John. How's he it? holding up? He's he great. He looks spectacular. Really? Yeah. I, we played with him about 10 years ago at like Jazz, jazz yeah. Fest. Yeah. And he looked like in bad health. Wow, and we did, a, we did a college that. show about four or five years ago, like in the middle of nowhere. He was looking pretty good. He looked great the other. Yeah. At the, I mean, he looks lean. He goes up and down. Yeah, I saw. I don't think I've seen him since uh, very well the early '90s at the Village Gate in, wow. in Greenwich Village. Nice. Do you nice remember reference. that place? Yes, we yeah, played yeah. there. Well, we played there. That was a good place. Do you remember Raffy, the guy who booked it? Yeah. He yes. Was, yeah. His dad There's owned a the name place. Name out of the blue. Yeah. He used to sit in. Uh, yeah. He used to sit and play chess in we, uh, Washington Square Park yeah. or do Woody Allen jokes. Because we, we're digressing. We um, because John and we were affiliated with a new school, and so they they got Blues Traveler a gig. Well, at the village gate. Well, they had they had sort of a every Sunday night. New school students would sort of take over the jam session at the village gate, and they brought us up. And man, was it bad! Was we, that at the beginning though? I took a class at the new school. When were yeah, you at the new uh, school? At the very beginning, the fall of '86, the jazz program that started there. Really, Arnie 86, Lawrence '87 and '88-ish. Brent you were there, both at the new school. Well, he he was going to NYU. I was glomming onto the studio space. I mean, a, okay. a lot of people right. thought I was. Basically, our parents said, if you go to school, we'll pay for it. Right. But if you don't, you have to get a job. So we all said, we'll go to school. <laughs> and then we would skip school and just learn how to get gigs at the things. And we paid our rent. We quit school. So you didn't, you never even uh, paid attention to the classes? Well, you, well, it was a music did. school. So it was handy. Like, you're in a class with Chico Hamilton and Roland Hanna learning about you know how to play blues. But the thing is... We had gigs all the time. You'd have gigs right. at night, so you couldn't make the classes to learn how to get gigs. But would you, you take? Would, but gigs. you were learning practical things in the class. You, you, could you were learning more on. like the ethereal, mystical, you know, uh, aesthetic school things. And then at night, you learn how to sell booze and get people dancing. <laughs> That's it, right. It was that combination. And try to get some butts in the seats. So yeah. what? Now, where did it start? It started in New Jersey. Princeton, um, New Jersey, yeah. yeah. High school. Princeton High School. You were both, but you didn't grow up in New Jersey, you did? Um, I moved there in 82 when I was 16. Your family's from where? Um, well, I was born in Cleveland, but I- Cleveland. And we moved to Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember Cleveland? I go to Cleveland occasionally. Um, I really? remember- Yeah, to gig, yeah, to do comedy. We lived in a place called Chardon, Ohio, which is like the suburb out of, out sort of west of, or east of Cleveland in like, it was like a farm community back yeah. then. And we had a pony that I don't really remember, but- uh, Everyone could swim in the pool. Yeah, named Domino. I didn't know you had a pony. Here's well, where we learn. Yeah, wow. and, uh, and yeah. I was I've known this the baby for a long time. So everyone got to <laughs> swim in the pool, but I got to swim in the trough. Oh, of the yeah. pony. Oh, really? Was, yeah. Throw the kid in the trough. In the trough. It didn't yeah. matter yeah, at that age. It's probably yeah. special. So I have. I already have pool envy. Yeah. <laughs> at, at age, I'm what? just a trough splasher. Yeah. What? How old were you? Oh, I was like, this is like as a baby. I just remember that. So didn't it didn't stick too hard. And then we moved to Stanford when I was like two or three. Why? What was the old man doing? Why did you move around? Um, he was. Well, he's a Hungarian refugee, and then Hungarian refugee. Oh yeah, he escaped from Budapest in '51. Really? From what? I'm I'm ignorant. Why did he have to? Well, after World War II, you know, it was communist. Right. That's right. Who was the head of in charge? Tito was that Hungary? No, no, Horthy or Horhe or. So your dad split. For um, greener pastures. Yeah, they, they, you were allowed to leave in 56, and he yeah. got out in 51. He was like 18, and uh, 
you know, used his uh, student ID. To, they, were, they were still rounding up refugees from World War Two, you know, in uh, the fifties and yeah. So he used his student ID to sort of bullshit his way through Europe. Like I'm with the Swiss Secret Service, you know. Like it was crazy, you know. Uh, he got his way. He told me later. Yeah, he had a really interesting path. He used to like smuggle hogs during the war and booze. A hog smuggler and, and booze. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like he had some crazy stories. And um, yeah, it involved gunplay and it was wacky. So you, your dad was like uh, a uh, bit of a. And then he ended up being a, a very a, successful uh, businessman. A yeah, I know. You're in yeah. A hog. Well, yeah, and, now, and then he was like VP. At, now he's VP at Squib. Now, now he's got. Uh, he's retired now, but yeah, he had a computer consulting firm and all. That. I think it's those people that are, are enterprising in, in the darkest of times that you're end right. up yeah. uh, learning exactly. a, a bit about business. business. You know, yeah, 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 when, yeah, when you're hungry, when you're hungry and hungry, <laughs> yeah, and you got to smuggle hogs and booze, yeah, in the dark streets of uh, Hungary. Yes, yeah, through the Nazi checkpoints. And oh, then he God. ended up in the, uh, the, the 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 dirty streets of Princeton. New yeah, yeah, the low down the rough. mean streets. I know that place. I was just there actually. It's kind of like the Sopranos, but with a much cuter accent. Well, you got the school there, so that kind of my father always called it Brigadoon. Yeah, it's like, it is like Brigadoon. <laughs> it's this magical, it. bubbly place where nothing bad happens, and it's like you hear Steven Spielberg music at the beginning of ET, where the kids are riding home on bikes. Well, that's yeah. good. Well, Rutgers is there, right? And no, Princeton. that's that's, down, that's, that's, South that's back in actual New Jersey. That's New Brunswick. You're right. That's not where right. Einstein, Einstein never Einstein, hung out. Uh, never, We're talking about Princeton. There aren't sorry. floral display wreaths. I got them confused. I haven't been to Princeton in a while. I was yes. in New Brunswick. My mistake. Yeah, yeah. it's not Trenton. What'd your What'd uh, What'd your dad do? He was a professor at Princeton. Well, of what uh, psychology? Oh, no kidding! Yeah. You can see what I had to Percep- do. <laughs> but it wasn't like psychology. Like it was uh, perception, like how your brain and eyes and ears work. Oh, so it was uh, actually uh, co- experimental, psychology. scientific yeah. psychology. Yeah. Not like how are you feeling? That was awesome. He had big, large labs and all those computers with like tape. Oh yeah, binary, and you know he never put you in a box. And uh, yes, he did. Oh, I did. I, I was like a subject for like eight or nine of his friends' experiments. Conditioning at does so product of several. I did Rorschach tests. You did? did all kinds. Did he stuff. have that shit laying around? No, his friends would be like trying to do something, so they'd be oh, like, "Oh, my channel." Dude. I got a buddy who needs to use you for the afternoon. Oh. Exactly. I loaned him out for scientific experiments. It's a good group. And then, like, every fr- I mean, they were all, it was like the hippie area. They, were, they would all have the, always have these, like, socials and get togethers that were just ragers. Really? I mean, these people were drinking, smoking weed, hanging out, listening hip- to music. The hippies, but they were doing cool stuff. It was just. Wow. Well, how old are you? Uh, 43. And you? 45. I'm 48. So oh, they Jesus. Thank you for being older than us. <laughs> You're welcome. No kids here. Whew. But like, where did the uh, like when you started playing in Jersey? I mean, what were what were the what was the the angle? What was the songs? What Basically, were you playing? you know, um, who was the original band? Uh, it was uh, myself and Brendan started a band called Blues Brandon's Band. A drummer, yeah, Blues Brandon's Band, a drummer. And that uh, was the, how many names did you go through though? Well, that was um, like our. We, I was trying to be matter of fact. That's what we are. <laughs> But we which, were not. Which like in we were, Princeton you can get away with. And we were a little, uh, we were a little uptight, you know. Like we were from the the high school band, and we were the one. The, I, I always look at it as there was um, the, half the band was embraced by our uh, band teacher, and half was rejected by the band teachers, dismissed as the druggies, and that was Chan and Bobby, our first bass player, Bob Sheehan. Yeah. And they were the ones that you know hung out and smoked a lot of weed. Right. And, right. And Ch- Chan was, uh, he wanted to play, but Mr. B gave him a guitar and sent him to the practice room, and you loved that. Well, no, no, Mr. B did not give me a guitar. I got in there as I was in the, um, jazz, the, stage, the, the jazz. The stage band. The, um, the, the school had a great music program. and had a yeah, whole suite like a, studios was, and like a, a closet Award-winning right, jazz right, band. And then the jazz band was all, I got in there, and I was like, there's amps, and there's all these little studios. So I used to come to school, yeah. 
get baked up a Jesus. Yeah. Come in there, grab an amp, and sit in the studio, this little studio room, and practice. <laughs> and that's how these guys might be like, who is this dude? Just jamming by yourself? Just, just sitting there yeah. practicing stuff. And yeah. they're like, I was always around, and that's how we kind of met. You and know? you were in the jazz band? They um, were the yeah. big cheese, yeah. Yeah, what I was playing. Well, I was actually, uh, they heard me playing. I was in the school for, uh, I was in the class for the, you know, the straight F kids. Yeah. Well, being like all the black kids. Right. And uh, they were so like, so you fucked up in school completely. Oh, I, I made a resolution John's in seventh really, grade really to dumb. not do homework. He's so dumb. Uh-huh. I wanted to see if I could get away with doing no yeah, homework. Okay, but uh, they heard me playing the harmonica, which I just started picking up. I want to be a comedian, and I saw the blues. You want to be a comedian? Yeah, just not uh, quite funny. Now. I'm almost there. Who are your guys? I mean, like well, a, Saturday Night Live and right, Steve Martin, and right. see, that's where I saw the Blues Brothers. Right. So that made me want to get a harmonica, and I was the Ac- Belushi them. made you want to get a harmonica. Well, Ackroyd, yeah, or yeah. Ackroyd play. That's right. And then, um, so I didn't really know much about music, and I was just starting to get into it. And they heard me. I was pretty good right away. And so they heard me. The the remedial teacher I had thought, you know, this will get him involved in school or right. something. And so she sits me down with the band teacher. It looks something he can do. Yeah, it's, it's something great. he can participate <laughs> in. It'll best him in his yeah. education. But she was right. I mean, I was like showering once a week. Yeah, I wasn't a very social person. Well, what was that cool about? Thing. Wait, wait, wait. You weren't getting enough tension at home? What happened? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, just, was, was it a big was fuck a you to everybody? Family. What, did you smell big terrific family. when you were 16? No, I'm just saying that like in order you know. to commit to not doing well in school and just sort of like, fuck you, I can live with this. And then all of a sudden the harmonica... You find yourself a savant of some kind. Um, I don't know. I, I guess. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh, you weren't a druggie though. No, no. I was. I was pretty. I just watched a lot of TV. No, that was me and Bobby's fault. Yeah. See, I was pretty straight. Like I, you know, I was told that drugs were bad. Yeah, and you drugs believed it. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I had an older brother who got pretty into drugs. So I mean, that was already demonized and stuff. Like but you that. had the older brother, so you got his oh, records seven too, though. Kids. Well, see, that's the thing. I was afraid of that. I heard Led Zeppelin up the hall. I was like, oh, that's the trouble. Music. Come on. Yeah, I was like ten. You, I you mean, were the youngest, second youngest. So, so and of like a, seven. So yeah. there was five ahead of you, or um, six ahead of you. S- uh, five, yes, yeah, s- five ahead of me and one younger. So than you me. actually had to watch all of your siblings leave the house. Oh and yeah, you were just left with your parents at some point. Well, no, uh, <laughs> you, you know, was, you know what? He was basically and, just left yeah. alone, and then you were like, yeah, I was like a latchkey. Get, <laughs> have some, have some cheese. Eventually, Johnny. eventually, my mom worked, <laughs> so I mean, it was we were kind of all, all on our own for yeah. that high school time. But <laughs> they'd had enough of that child raising. I would like skip school as much as I could because you know I just wanted to watch. T- I would watch David Letterman and. Yeah. Uh, like uh, I didn't realize I was doing career work, but that, that's really <laughs> yeah. the thing that I was into. And so the remedial teacher sits me down in front of the the band teacher's like, nah, I don't put much stock in the harmonica. You ever want to play anything else? And I'm like, I don't know, a trumpet. And bear in mind, my parents gave me music lessons at five. You know, I'm related distantly to this cellist, uh, David Popper. Uh-huh. So give him a cello. And I was terrible at it. You'd, Hated you, to practice. You could read music, though. Um, No. I, I'm pretty, I mean, I can figure it out. You know, every good bird does So what, what was that moment where you Piano lessons at eight. Guitar lessons every at uh, good boy, eleven. That's fine. Yeah, every good bird does fly is what I was saying. And grizzly bears don't fuck around. That's the bass club. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> give the fat kid a tuba. You know, in the fourth grade, I had a tuba. And, really? You know, yeah, they give you all kinds of yeah, lessons. You were marching with a tuba? No, I didn't march. You I, I sucked at it. It's like you know, then they get you lessons, and eventually you blow off the lessons because you don't want to read. And you know that's work. But and what's it? So where'd the harmonica come from? Was, Who delivered it, it to you? Um, I asked for one for my birthday. And just a blues harp, not, yeah, or a chromatic. That's how I got my first guitar too. And it Can just, I asked my yeah. parents for one for my birthday. And it was just it, no problem. I didn't have to read it. There is no tablature for harmonicas. But really. who were you listening to to get the sense of it? Um, the Blues Brothers, and really, I was just pl- just playing it for fun. Really? So that was the bl- that was the only point of that reference. That was the thing. There was not no like, Sonny Boy, no Little Walter, no Jimmy Hendrix. None of that. Jimmy. Ha- well, eventually, so that's the thing. The Blues Brothers led me to Paul Butterfield, which led me to the old blues guys because he was doing Muddy Waters tunes. Butterfield and that was good. Somehow led me to 
um, Jimi Hendrix, and then I knew I wanted to be a musician. Right. But like when you got your chops, because when I listen to your music, it's a lot of it's not minor stuff. A lot of it's major stuff, and uh -huh. it's a lot of it's chromatic stuff, very lyrical stuff. It's not well. Those yeah, fucking... You can get chromatic stuff out of a blues harp, yeah. But yeah. you can't like the, you're not like you're not like from the tradition of that sort of like whiny. Groany. Yeah. Well, I I you always want to try and do something I don't know different. Mean, but I love that. I didn't mean to say whiny, know, but you know what I'm talking no, about. Yeah, I get what you're saying though. It's like Kim Wilson or like the thing that I've always resented is that the harmonica, like the banjo, has to keep this vocabulary that was established in the 20s and 30s, or maybe even earlier than that. While the guitar and the piano get to evolve, or the saxophone get to evolve their vocabulary, so I like took a page from Jimi Hendrix, who would steal whatever sound he wanted and put it on his guitar, and so I would rip off guitar riffs, I'd rip off sax riffs, and like I think like treat it like it's a horn. I mean, Sugar Blue is a great player to do that, and, right? You know, and I think Butterfield did that a little bit too. Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder, but he's playing a chromatic, so right. that ultimately is a different instrument. But yeah, I would try and sound like a chromatic harp. It gives you an idea of what a harmonica could do. But if you wanted to, could you like you know kick out some Little Walter? Sure. <laughs> Not yeah, as well as little Walter. Right, 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 right. But, uh, sure, kid. You know, the thing we learned in the new school, one of the, the academic things we learned by being affiliated with that school is things like the blues is a sound a baby makes when it cries for the first time, because after that he knows he'll be picked up and it's all show business. <laughs> it's about getting the true sound. It's not about, it doesn't have to be a 12-bar blues, it just has to be honest. It's just interesting. That's the one, like one of the few things maybe that you like really remember. It isn't weird what you, you remember. You cling to that. Yeah, you cling to the good These, stuff. like weird no, little but, moments. I mean, the, the, the yeah. cool thing was is the, the things they were learning at the new school at, the, at that time, me and Bobby were Oh, they were there town, for that. But Brendan and John were, were, were giving us like the things they were learning in, yeah. in class. And these right. guys would and show up we to the class yeah. sometimes too and sure, just and, be and a fly this, on the wall. It's not like you weren't allowed and to And then we were playing, the new we school, were anyone playing could go. gigs yeah. every night like in like crappy little bars in new york but it was like coming it was drifting down we were getting some stuff out of it which bars um the nightingales was like the first place we went Lismar to dan Lynch. Lynch. we went to the nightingale. jam session at dan lynch oh yeah we, we immediately ripped into a 7-4 at the top volume like, we had no they sense of on us. I they stopped that. us and threw us out and luckily next door was the nightingales bar wonderland john wonderland wonderland was our first our first gig we and you it was like open mic night mm -hmm. and yeah. we would come up as a band because we had no other gigs and but, go to the auditions yeah but that's but where, wait, those that, were our first that, that, that was it, what was it called? Dan Island. Lynch. Dan Lynch is still they used to there. Do, what was it like a blues open mic like on Mondays or it was Sunday afternoon? Sunday afternoon, like from like all that four hours or five hours, yep. right? I kind of fucking remember that. The, we never got asked back to, to do. The Wonder, the, we never got asked back to Wonderland because the owner she loved Elvis Presley uh, absurdly, and we had this version of Hound Dog. It was like a funky, you know, Jimmy, right. like a Jimmy Hendrix, like, dandelanda, he ain't nothing but a hound dog. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that kind of a sort of rock me baby version of hound dog. Buddy Guy she, did a, a she pretty hated it. hopped up uh, hound dog, didn't he, on Hoodoo Man Blues? He did like a... Yeah, well, she did not cotton to that at all. And so that's but why a really interesting thing, in, when we first moved to New York, it had happened, and then the cabaret law had been lifted. And that up to that point, change. you had to have a special license to have more than three musicians on stage. Even to the point where we first showed up, they put a musician in a closet. Or the bass so player would have a long cord and right. sit at the and bar. And that just got lifted and in the 80s? it just got lifted right as we got right there. Right as we got there in 87. So suddenly there was all this need so for So we played bands, like five, six nights a week at like any old place. Suddenly we, we were in the right place with the right connections, going to these uh, bars where the older bands like the Worms and uh, was it the Surreal McCoys would take us under their wing and we would be opening for them. And we, we were, were so annoying they had to. Yeah. And then <laughs> we our were friends, just always there. And our friends from the colleges that we were all attending, you right. know, uh, Brendan got into, he got into a program at Rutgers and he started going to the new school. And Bobby got into, uh, 
LIU. Don't, let's not talk about Bobby going to school. That That's true. Not. That That's was really joke. more really a on paper. Joke. He never went. But it's, basically, all of our friends who we knew would come to these shows on Monday where we'd get like a gig. You know, we all the, the kids Monday from song. Jersey. You mean? Um, and no, the, no. and the colleges we were going to. You know, we right. we we'd, we'd party in New York. Well, it's yeah. all about it's all about flyers. Actually, our first big gigs in New York. Yeah. were at this place called Lismore Lounge. So the lounge part was uh, the lights were off, so it was just Lismore Low. Yeah. And the first big <laughs> gigs we did. Got they had this guy who was a drug dealer and we, oh, yeah, we got lots we of put LSD. flyers all over NYU and New School and all around there, offering free nitrous and mushroom tea and joints, and everyone started showing up at the gigs. Yeah, at the Liz Marlowe. Yeah, the Halloween gig. Yeah. it's yeah. amazing if you offer free drugs, people uh, will come. Be of nitrous course. parties. So all also. of a sudden, we had packed a couple couple of those things. And we started getting all the rest of our gigs. But and that was, was our really, that was our big move. It was also something we started in New Jersey. We'd have keg parties, and it got to the point where we At had whose to, house, whoever's house, whoever's parents weren't home. Yeah, right. and uh, but the thing is, we had to leave New Jersey because the cops could tell when we were warming up. They knew there was underage drinking going on. So <laughs> there's we, that sound. It's time for us to yeah, leave yeah, town. Yeah, by the end of it, it was like it was like two songs in, boom, party busted. So yeah. y'all moved to y'all moved to New York, right? Yeah. To New York, right? So it wasn't that big a jump. You could still go home and eat. Oh, exactly. You came over the weekends <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah. laundry and your parents had money. and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. could, could grab, jump on the dinky and there you are. And actually, uh, Bobby lost his dad and his mom moved to Brooklyn Heights. So we even had a parent in the city. Which right. Right cool. at that time, moved to Brooklyn Heights. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And did you guys know, what was the, who were some of the other bands that were doing it? Because I remember this time. I was in New York. I guess the first time I went to New York, moved there was 89. Yeah, okay. See, now we uh, are a guy who graduated in my... These guys graduated in 87. Right. I graduated a year before in 86. Right. So I would come home on the weekends and play with them and stuff. And uh, when they were ready to move in, we all got a place in Bergen. And I talked to my friend Chris uh, Gross, who graduated with me, but he was... In Princeton, still, uh, he took a room above the music shop in Princeton. Yeah, he was a like king of Princeton. Serenade the girls. Is he still there? Well, no. he, he wound up coming to the city. Turning into okay. Chris Barron. He okay. turned into Chris Barron, and then uh, he's, he met Eric Shankman at the New School, and they became the Spin Doctors. I just saw him. He's the lead singer? Yeah. I saw him, uh, like, I was walking down the street in New York City. I mean, this was like six months ago, walking by a place on Houston, a bar. Yeah. And I, and I heard a band, and I'm like, that sounds better than a bar band. Oh, down in Houston, yeah. the National. He's yeah. Playing and, National. Yeah, and, and I stuck good my head in, that. and yeah. it's him, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. he's got no, a little that's soul a cool, that's, a cool, that's a cool band. I think band. he ended up with a chick that used to work at a comedy club. I think she's, he, a, yeah. she's an actress. She's a Broadway actress. Well, she just got married. Buddy. Chris came in, but there was also Joan Osborne. Well, Joan Osborne was the at those jam sessions was the first person I met, and we tried getting a little side band going with uh, Johnny Allen, who um, uh, you never heard of, but he was a real great guitar player. Oh, just killed it at those clubs. And he was then, like our idol. Yeah, and he's the one that took us to the Mondo Connie, where we met Adolf, who really gave us a lot of gigs. Isn't it weird how many of those guys, like you know, guys that people come up with, even in what I do in comedy and in music, there are these guys that are great. Yes, and then you're just sort of like, what? Oh, and where? he was a star too. He was super charismatic. But you ripped right. the guitar. The, just where, the what happened? Are, well, you know, a lot of things can happen. He got well. His gig was playing hardcore blues, right? Which and he never and covers. To, yeah, he never he really like wrote covers, his own songs. Covers, I think he got yeah, to write I mean, your own material. That's a huge part of it, right? Or have enough of a personality. Or but a new the, twist mean, on the old talking shit. Talking about right. Adolf is we were playing these blues clubs where that's what you're supposed to do, right? And we come in all hippies and rip clothes and yeah. play all our own stuff, which is blues based. And but the, you mob, guys, you the got... mob that owned the, the place would be like, "What are you doing having these people in there?" And Adolf would stand up for him. He's like, "You know, you're booking the club. You can you can book the bands. Right. Until then, 
Right. These guys are but, playing. But he was, and that wound up But you guys up. pulled from, more from, uh, you guys, and there's a, like Van Morrison influence, isn't there? There's I think back then we were all, like, we especially on Bobby's it. side, he was very, like, uh, he took a very Grateful Dead model. I was very Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah, we were I was, all, I mean, I was we always trying like, to be Jimi Hendrix. But you, but did like that's yeah. the thing when six people come into your show, you, it's all in your head anyway. So you know, I mean, at times I felt like Charlie Parker playing to nobody. Sure, in but Harlem. I mean, a Grateful Dead model means a lot. That that is more of a, a, a more of a uh, what well, was a word jam, of mouth thing, loose jammy thing, and, and, and lots of drugs but, and lots but it was, of drugs. But also circulated. there was there's an agenda to the Grateful Dead model. Yeah, where we're going to go and score some weed. No, score no, some no, weed, no, but, but bringing also people that together, was going on. That was definitely right. Bringing people together, make a community. Which, Build a community, yeah. We started a community night, where you can get some ass. Nightingale, <laughs> yeah. At Nightingale, when we first started, there were like three, four people like for our, our Monday night gig. And right. Two of them were looking for acid. And right. then, <laughs> Did and, they then get Gina, it? and then Gina showed up. Uh, yeah, eventually, yes. <laughs> but then slowly but surely- we had that thing like packed down the street. It looked like like outside Madison Square Garden. The dead played there. There right. was like a line, of and they were acting the that way. Like, can and... you get in? And, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was oh, all yeah. about hanging out. And I got two wasted. for Tuesday. But that's and people how you, didn't even that's come how you in. Get it going. Man. They would hang outside and get, get stoned. And so it was that kind Bang. of model. And just yeah. like listen from outside and just because well, like, they yeah. couldn't get inside. It was just packed. enjoy and being people... high out at the you know feel the vibe of the place. But there was this great group of bands from before for us like the the Worms, the Authority. Yeah, the Authority was kind of Joey Miserable. Joy uh, Miserable was with the Worms, you know, but I mean, and, uh, it's, but they, but there's a hardcore scene of these older guys who kind of came like semi-punk land. They right. were like right, like a bridge between that, right? Yeah. But they used to play just ripping bar rock. The place was going off bar on rock. Section. I mean, that that's and a, we used to like come and just worship that and see that you know, you because, well, that's make what people they had have huge fun. horn sections, and then the cabaret law went into effect. So then they were all like converted into trios, and it was kind of a sad time, and then the cabaret law is lifted, so all the horn section bands back. are back. And- well, that's an interesting approach, too, because like bar rock, is it, it's a very specific thing, that you gotta be on top of it, you gotta push it. And you gotta know you gotta, covers, yeah. but you also gotta slip in your own stuff also without pissing anybody off. And you gotta talk to the people. And- you gotta own that place where they remember you, but you're also giving them the generic stuff they want. Like and what? You're, and you're playing four hours a night. Yeah. Um, you're playing your covers. Te- well, see, that's the thing. We were the worst at the covers. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria. We knew two chords. Yeah. So like it was all about the noodling in between for yeah. us. We, we became really excellent soloists. Right. Yeah, our big cover back then was Gloria. Oh, yeah. We did version of Gloria. We did Gloria for five cover. hours. <laughs> it seemed like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. we had to play. You get big. We had and to play small. We had to play night. Solo. We had to play Nightingale till 4 a.m. Yeah. From we starting were. at 11. So, yeah. <laughs> you had to stretch that so shit did, out. You did a two hour. Half version. of it was Gloria. Yeah, half of it was Gloria. <laughs> and you did 96 Tears? Two other. No, the, no. the, the, the other bands did oh, they did it. Like, I learned so many songs, like, wait, that's not a Worms tune? And then finally, later, it was Sly and the Family Stone. Like, so many. <laughs> I mean, we were 18, 19. Yeah. I mean, we so were... when was the big break? I mean, who, who was the record guy that came in and said, you Well, guys. I mean, there were a Patrick few. Patrick Clifford. There were a few breaks, though, because um, yeah. one break was us playing, at, you know, the Wetlands was just starting out, and they, I remember that they'd place. scouted us at the Nightingales and said, Well, we go Nightingales. We were the biggest band at, and, and Mondo Connie. We, we started were becoming the band we were of the band. renown of the live band scene, and they said, We're making like a hippie bar, and you guys are a hippie band. This is a perfect The Wetlands, fit. yeah. Yeah, and it started there. Suddenly we're getting yeah, seen once more on a national the Wetlands, level. And that was a big place and so that, that and then was we in were, tribeca where was it yeah, yeah tribeca right, right by the holland tunnel oh uh, yeah i want to say late and canal yeah like that and um nice john late yeah busted yeah. it nice. i always said it's like the hey ashbury it's the late ashbury but there was but, no um, stigma to hippiness at that time. Like, no, it was like cool. we the thought it was cool. Isn't that weird though? Because like there was an arc there where if you mentioned hippie on the Lower East Side or anywhere below Fourteenth Street, you're like, Fuck well, yeah, you. but, but you it know just what? Means you haven't but done you know the drugs. Because hippie the, means drugs. But right. To be but honest, the drugs but, were different. But to be honest, at Better. the time when we were nineteen 
uh, if anyone was to fuck you to us, we were like, fuck you. Yeah. And we made a fucking yeah, big we scene out of it. We would, we weren't the like, last thing we were hippies. worried about was yeah. what other people thought. We were, we yeah. had our own thing. Yeah. Like we, we didn't live by a code of, uh, we, we're hippies. It wasn't, so, you know, it wasn't about the food. It was we, about, yeah. We yeah, didn't yeah. seek the, whatever got us laid and got yeah. the drugs. Dead shows were a lot of fun though. I went to they a couple were. when I was younger. Sure. I always Did you have fun. Yeah. Did you have any bad trips? I had one bad trip, but what, it was at a Jerry few. Garcia concert. So it, I had a few where awesome. like, I was convinced they were trying to brainwash because everybody was, it was like, isn't this great? And yeah. you couldn't even get to listen to the music yeah. because they're so busy telling you how great it is. I always had a problem with people's faces becoming evil. That was yeah. like it, when, when, when you're on mushrooms and everybody looks sort of sweaty and then uh -huh. they'd, be, like, they'd be fish oh, I eye. remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and I stole my parents' car to through that to yeah. get yeah. out to the- you so much about yourself. So yeah. kids, <laughs> get take a cruise to jail. I got a flat tire and I was rehearsing for the cops to get a tow truck. Yeah. You're rehearsing? And, well, yeah, like, oh, right. Officer, I have a yeah, flat it, tire. Yeah, right. I need a tow truck. Right. Officer, yeah. And I came up and I was like, I got me a big old flat tire over there. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I said Random that. Random great story. And he went, <laughs> Random great story. I swear to God, he had the head of a bee. <laughs> Random great story about Blues Travel speaking of cops. We, John had already moved up there. We were still in high school. Yeah. He was me in Brooklyn. And Bobby, he was uh, up was in, in, uh, at the Y at on the y, Street. Going to the new school. We're going up for a gig. And at that point, we were John Popper's blues band we were like in between we're names we were going up blues band literally from high school in a car and we drinking like a case of beer yeah and we These crunched it all kids. up and thrown it in the back yeah it was all over the floor of the car so we pull over somewhere up in around jersey city yeah and we're all sitting on the side of the road pissing yeah and the cops pull up behind us yeah imagine that the yeah. 18 year olds yeah. 17 and 18 year olds car just full of beer pissing and on the side of the road with the cops, their dicks in their hands the cops look at it and they're like they're like well we have a gig they're like yeah <laughs> all right go ahead when you're bon jovi remember us yeah and let us drive into town yeah gotta love that that's those guys that are the doesn't bomb. happen anymore. that is a celebration that, of new jersey right I mean, there it was just horrible. that will not happen in new jersey anymore i don't know man you look a little like bon jovi that must have got you by yeah <laughs> and you know what yeah when you're the next bon jovi test yeah, remember yeah. us all right get out of here kids well he hasn't lived up to that promise because we have remembered them that, yeah, I they, feel like we should send them something. Yeah, do you got their names? Got Those their badge guys, numbers? man. I mean, we were so busted, but we had a gig. Yeah, and they were like kids up to their That's first sweet. gig. It's great that when they great. let you off. Yeah, no cop would ever let. I mean, I don't see that God, happening. On gotta love those guys. I yeah. can't believe we got away with it. That's we were we were blessed in a lot of ways and little yeah. crap like that. Yeah. So the yeah. first, like, the, okay, so how the first record come about? Uh, well, um, the other another break uh, for us was playing at the Barnard campus um, uptown. Barnard, yeah. Where Bill Graham's son saw us and then got in touch with his dad. Uh, uh, we Columbia. Were, we're starting to get sniffed around for management and stuff Bill like Graham's that. Bill Graham's son. What and, is that, who went to Columbia? David yeah, Graham, yeah. David Graham. And he told his dad, and his dad was like, I'm coming to New York at the end of August. And record companies, people have been sniffing around up to that point. At the, yeah. yeah, new but music you know, seminar. They're always they'd sniffing around. Right. But when Bill Graham gets on board, all of a sudden it's... It got serious, yeah, and, and it was right then that the deal with A and M happened because of the new. Because well, so Bill Graham came to town, and and he was our manager. He signed on. Oh, he signs you right there. Well, yeah. yeah, Bill Graham was our manager, and these record companies had been sniffing around at that point. But once Bill Graham's your manager, he puts the whole thing together. So they signed us. A and M signed us. Well, that's a you were part of an incredible uh, tradition with Bill Graham. I mean, oh, what, yeah. was, what was he like? He's amazing. He he amazing, was a real man. teacher for us. Like know? like uh, like he I taught us the old school way of uh, putting a show on, and um, some of those are good. It's got to be three. Some aren't, and you know. No, I mean, yeah, one of his things is there's three things to a show. Yeah, if the crowd's got to go home happy, the band has to go home happy, and the the house has to go home happy. If any one of those things isn't isn't happening, it's a bad show. Yeah, really. But, what were some of the bad habits? Um, well, he was great for his tirades. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we got. 
screamed at by Bill Graham. Really? Was, not screams on the I right screamed word. back. Did, no, no, it was awesome. Was it like it was the first time you're beat, like, it's happening? I've he heard of this. Beat the, just, I have a hungry. It was right dad. after we like had ready. a sold yeah. out show and we thought we were all at the need just well, oh, it was yeah, it was you, you with your epithets of hate. It was it was it was in some epithets internal of hate? It was some internal thing he between our road manager Dave. What and, the hell does that mean? Epithets of hate. Epithets. Epithets. Yeah, thank you. Epithets. I like it when he says epithets, though. Uh, That's funny. But uh, like, who who had epithets on? Uh, They didn't. He didn't like our manager at the time, our buddy from high school, who was giving his son. Grief. Everyone was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah, except we Bill, was... of course. But um, yeah. So you had a manager from high school, and you. Well, he you... was our road yeah. manager. Our road manager was our him. friend from high school. But, oh, just a road manager, and... but he wasn't your regular manager at the time. Well, well no, Dave was Dave our was jumping overall on manager. Bill, really, Bill was, but Dave was running it. And right. oh, we made so. Many... I mean, some... that was our third, fifth. Horror... And, I mean, and you got to remember, Dave was our age, yeah. and we, we were all partying really hard. Bad decisions we made. So when some money goes, where did that money go? Yeah. No, you're supposed to. You're and. Bruhaha swells up, and then Bill comes and goes. Either he goes or I go. And I said, "Well, what am I supposed to do when your people are saying that I've got to fire these guys?" And, and then our, our manager, Tom Dabrashur, great guy, threw down his clipboard, and it was like oh, a really? big dramatic scene. And it was a big thing. Yeah. It was when 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 did this go down? Um, Eighty. Not even that. How many records in? Oh, no, this is before the first record. I thought it was the first record. Right, right around the first record. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I remember sitting. Bill took me in uh, and talked to me and said, "Come on, tell me the truth. Dave Pasher wants to rule the world, doesn't he?" Said, "He wants to rule the world. I want to rule the world." And Bill said, "I don't want to rule the world." I said, "You do rule the world." <laughs> and then at that point, he changes. This is laughed. great stuff. And the, but the the best thing about Bill, like career wise, yeah. <laughs> is then he proceeded to put us on tour. Yeah. Opening up for the Allman Brothers all summer, Carlos Santana, all around the country. Our first How gig was the got, Housing Now benefit in front of 250,000 yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, we, we, that yeah, was we, your first gig? We were playing a frat. Him, yeah. Well, we're playing, playing for like him, a little yeah. frat, and the next day we're at the Washington Mall with the Capitol behind us. And I looked down, here, and, and the people, New York homeless walked to D.C. and started fighting with the D.C. homeless. And I looked down, and Bill, right before we started, he's wrestling with the homeless in the front row. <laughs> Bill Graham yeah. wrestling with us. Yes, he's, he's he was awesome. incredible. Yeah, he he's was got awesome. one leg over here and one arm there, trying to get so it. So this was, that was your first show, and it was with great. Him, the, yeah, the press conference was great. They're like, and who's loose traveling? They're like, he's like, guys, it's underground. Come on, yeah. <laughs> it's like the press is like, you just made him feel like fools. <laughs> and it's my band. I'm jamming on this. And who thing. was on the show? Um, oh God, Jefferson, Fleetwood, Jefferson Starship, or was it Airplane? Stevie Wonder? Jefferson Starship. So, no, it was Jefferson Airplane reunited. Yeah, airplane, right. Um, Mickey Hart was there. I know that. Well, and, what was it like to meet those guys when you, oh, you so guys I are mean, kids? How old were you? Twenty? Yeah, yeah, about. And it was like, hi, <laughs> you know, nice to meet you. <laughs> Did you get to meet Jerry? Um, I that was late. That was actually when Bill died uh, at his uh, memorial. No, we, well, we, op- we, well, to, we met you, met him. We opened up yeah. for Jerry before Bill died. Yeah, we opened for, for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the the one in San Francisco. Warfield. Warfield. What was he like? Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what to say to the guy. They left me in a tent with him, and <laughs> I had this telescope on my uh, harmonica belt at the time. I'm like yeah. playing with it, and he's eating a cheeseburger and just like, <sighs> he just wants to be alone. I can tell that. Yeah. I, I know I have to say something. Yeah. You know, this is my moment to talk with Moses here. So <laughs> I say, after a long, uncomfortable pause, yeah. I'm a flurry of emotion. <laughs> That's what he said. And then another long pause, and he goes, <sighs> me too. <laughs> And that was it. That was our. That was so, our. Yes, the meeting John of the minds. Meet Jerry. What about uh, Greg Allman? Oh, we've oh, got a lot Lord. of Greg Allman no, but, stories. But bless yeah. your bones. That's about as far. We should yeah, we should that. probably just leave that there. He's a sweet man. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. Yes, he great is. singer. Yes. Yeah, he on our second album, he uh, 
Send him, send him with us on yeah. Mountain Cry. Yeah. Oh, he, he's played, he played, what did he play? Keyboards? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, and sang, and sang, on, sang on Mountain Cry. He's got a great voice. Well, uh, my favorite thing Bill taught us, though, is the two things that you want as a musician is to make a living and express yourself. Right. And really, everything still breaks down to that. That's right. a really cool thing. And uh, so when did he, how many records did you have out when he uh, was killed? It was the second record. Uh, yeah, that was the one that Harvey was on. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were devastated because, you know, I mean, we had... To us, it was like our whole world was Plus, turned Plus, you know, when you're down. kids, too, it's like a loss. You're just not used to I mean, we yeah. had been blessed up until that and point. And were you friends with his loss. son at that point? Or? Oh, he's still one of my best friends. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's I love him. He's guy. living in uh, Pennsylvania now. In Pennsylvania? Yeah, Buckingham. Why? He's really kind of, like, his mom lived there, More and then his dad was in the Bay Area. kind of. Yeah, and he, he, he was not like sort of grew up around there. He's... Like yeah, Dave's kind of more of a poet. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And you know, well, I know, like the the they sold the Bill Graham presents a long time ago, so he must be fine with everything. Oh yeah, yeah. no, he's totally set. Yeah. But um, he, he that's the thing is, I think Bill wanted to make him another business guy, right? And he was trying. And I mean, you know, that very rarely happens that Alexander has a son who's as vicious. Yeah, as Alexander. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, actually, Alexander's father, Philip of Macedon, was. Yeah. Was yeah going history on you? Yeah, well, well how, he didn't turn out. It's as, just uh, very rarely in history do you have one tough ass leader sure. who has who, who has gets another tough ass leader because yeah because he's got a trust fund. Alexander had a trust and there's fund a charisma and, and there's a charisma <laughs> vacuum that happens where like you know it's kind sure. of hard to overshadow such a he was such an enigmatic figure that you know it's very hard to live after your father no matter what. I mean the best you can do is be uh, be big in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And you got to be you. And I, yeah. I think um, that's 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 uh, unfortunately that is the struggle. Yeah. It's not it's not how to be as good as your dad. It's like how do I get out from under exactly. This, and, uh, you know, this shadow. And that is that is a real challenge. And, you know, I think Dave's done okay. But, yeah, you great. know, I mean, you know, as a parent, that's the thing. How many you got? Your kid, I got two, but it, your kid's not going to be you. No. Yeah. So whatever he's got that's going on, you got to back that up. Yes. But m- make sure he understands. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Then. Don't, you know, how old are they? How, how old are they? 14 and 8. Oh, so boys. you got like a teenager who's teenager. like giving you a run for your money? No, he's actually he just pretty cool. Beat me. He was a, he's a great kid. He just beat me twice today in Magic. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's some weird fantasy it's thing. Card game. Kids headed for trouble, I'm telling you. <laughs> Nerd It's going to come hard and fast. It's, it's a 17. Game. There's okay. going to be. We right. go to Strategicon. Okay. We're going to suck it. I feel it's going to be like doing ice when he's 17 or something. Oh, come crazy. on. No, uh, Aiden, Aidenator. <laughs> that's his nickname. Aidenator. Aidenator. Come on. He does great. So, okay, so Bill Graham uh, gets in that horrible accident, and you guys went to the funeral? Uh, oh, yeah. That must have been like a Actually, did we go to the actual funeral? No, we went to the a big the memorial service. Memorial, memorial yeah. at, the, at the Golden Gate Park. The Golden Gate Park. Which was, and that's where I got to trade licks with Carlos Santana. Yeah. Which is well, that was the last time we saw him. Small little highlights of my that life. That was the last time we saw him alive. It was at that show, uh, the, the One Love Fest, I think. Oh, you're right, John. You're right. And that was the day Miles Davis died. Uh-huh. And we sit in with Santana, and it was the most amazing experience. And then a month later, we're playing Bill's Memorial, and I uh, sat in with the same, dad on there. the same stage. Yeah, on the same stage, right. it was That's really right. so. Santana is a Bay Area guy, so you got to play with Santana. Yeah, he's awesome. That that to us felt like our graduation. You love Santana? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I inducted him into the Hall of Fame. And when now that's uh, like to talk about how we would get high and listen to Santana solos, <laughs> <laughs> but like when you did you trade looks with him on harmonica? Oh yeah, and Chan trade with him on the guitar, and then we would what? pass back. Then basically it was just all of us trying to gang try up to, on Santana, trying to, to play with Santana as much as possible. It's, yeah, it's, it's very hard to know. He handled Santana. It was kind of a rush. Yeah. So he like borrowed a guitar yeah. and he borrowed like some crappy amp. 
and he gets up on stage and it's the first note and it sounds just like Santana. How's that possible? There's not, nothing to do with either, anything. I'm like, how does he do uh, that? How does he do that? Because usually he's like an Ibanez Mesa Boogie guy, Whatever. right? Whatever. He just borrows and it just is like, yeah. first note, it was Wee. Santana. And it went on for like 30 seconds, right? The first note. Those overtones. Oh, it yeah, yep, it was amazing. On like some borrowed stuff. It's like, ah, oh, you know. How was it? So you it know, we're thrill, all thinking huh? about it. We're like, you, know, you got to approach this carefully. Don't just give him all your game. <laughs> build, build. Okay, now give it a little more. A little more. Okay, now give it to no. Hold back. Don't give it. Ah! So you think that way when it comes to songs? When you're and... dealing with a good player, you should. Oh, really? <laughs> Don't blow your that's mind. That's the kind of stuff we learned early in those blues bars. For sure. Yeah, that's like, right. It's a graduation. What? If you could come at it with a full flurry, Don't give it all away first. Don't give yeah. it all away when you're playing with somebody sir. else. You if mean. you if you blow your wad, then yeah. where do you have to go? Right. Don't give it away so early, hold kid. Back. Yeah. Don't give it yeah. away early, kid. You gotta... <laughs> that's what he's remembering. Oh, what was his name? Wild Bill Durkin. Wild Bill Durkin kept saying, like, don't give it away early, son. I would just come in and like... That was also Wild Bill's way of saying, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was a little of both. When they would go, don't go too fast, son. It's them going, Jesus, what am I supposed to say to that? Yeah. So what, you used it's to about. come out and just blast it all out? And Oh, Chan was nuclear fire. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it was... And, and listen, I was in a band with where I was the only chordal instrument. I mean, John was more of a lead instrument you could do some stuff comping yeah. but not really yeah and I, you know it's just my style right now i have keyboards backing us it's nice because i can play a little yeah more it always amazed me that the when you have like uh when you're only one guitar i mean you got to hold a lot you got to carry goes, a lot goes, of water goes, and oh, yeah. then it's like go to the lead the bottom drops out so you feel that that's kind of so how there's I a learned, lot of syncopation you know? or band and he had to provide most of it right so when when the bottom drops out the drummer's got to fill and the bass has got to fill right when the chords finished then you got to come right into lead there's yeah. no chords in That's like dropping off a cliff at first, I would imagine. You yeah. Just sort just, of like, so just go for gangbusters. And the, right? way, <laughs> and the way Bobby played bass, you know, there wasn't right. a lot of syncopation. Bobby was more of a throbbing kind of a bass player, so the, he was really doing most of the syncopation. What happened with him? Um, he died in 99. I think it was drugs. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too into it because we talked about it before and his mom got kind of upset uh, about yeah. it. But. but you guys were all living in different places at yeah, that time? Yeah, he moved to New Orleans. But you were still a band? You would just kind of no, get no, the... we, no, we were taking a break and we were getting ready to actually go down to New Orleans and work yep. on another record. I mean, yeah, I, I just finished a solo record. I, I took some time off to do that. And uh, it was 10 days before it came out, that's when he died. So now when the... So you guys lived it. And I mean, being how you were already a band almost 10 years at that point, right? 12 years. 12 years. That's why it was like exactly half the time... Did you, of our 25 years was with Bobby in the band and the other half was with the new But guy. did you see it coming? You know, what's weird is looking back, you think you would, but I mean, we were all- I a, didn't see that coming. I, I didn't, we didn't know- I, yeah, was, four, I, was, 400, I was 400 pounds and I, I, I really feel like- Yeah, John, we were more worried about John. Yeah. That was the thing. It was sort of like we were codependenting where like I go, at least I'm not as bad as him and he could go, at least I'm not as bad as you and that yeah. sort of made it okay. Like when you have two people that are fucked up- Right. It somehow, it seems normal- but I, I have to assume that like after you opened for the Allman Brothers and I think what you guys opened for the Stones too, mm -hmm. that you had some sense, and also being that you were so young and you were with Bill Graham that you knew that the life was hard and that it might take its toll. Best, on uh, best, well, uh, best joke um, on uh, Leno. Yeah, Bobby is, got busted was smuggling. We're going. It was the, the first time that the, we were opening for the Stones. The first time that they had gone back to Canada since Keith got busted. Right, and, and then, Bobby got busted. And Bobby got busted going across the border. Right. And Leno's like, "Did you hear that Keith Richards got busted?" Going back no, to Canada no. for the first time, no, he he's like wrong. he was carrying Bobby Sheehan over his no, shoulder. No, he's, he did wrong. So the bass player from Blues Driver got busted. Apparently, he had Keith Richards under his arm. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Well, what now? What was that like opening for the Stones? Um, amazing. How many gigs did you do? Did uh, ten, I think. And were you able to hang out at all? A little bit at the did, beginning. They came I, and made their 
They cursory, bought us, but they were nice enough to come right out. And make they their bought cursory us a case hellos. of champagne. Yeah, uh, they the were very, they were very nice and cordial. And yeah, uh, they had a lot going on. I, mean, I told Mick, uh, <laughs> if, you, stones, if yeah. you want a harp player for Miss You, uh, you know, I'll, I'll play. And he's like, great, thanks. And see, My, I didn't um, realize that he was doing that yeah. instead of Sugar Blue. I have a great story though. Um, yeah. When Mick came to meet us, he had been calling my house for the last uh, my apartment in New York for the last like three months because he had met my wife in Bali. Uh-huh. So I had messages from Mick Jagger. It's like, hello, Serena, it's Mick. It's um, what she did. Like, <laughs> he's trying to meet my wife. So I meet Mick Jagger and I'm like, I'm trying to like just small talk. I'm yeah. like, Bond? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've got, you know, when you call, I've got messages from you on the phone. He's like, and he, and he left shortly thereafter. Really? I was, just to, I was trying to. I was trying to. I wasn't trying to bust his balls. I was yeah. just trying to make conversation. Sure, sure, I was like, yeah. make conversation. Are you trying to, like, to bust my wife? You're trying to my wife. I've used it to bust his balls. Oh, I've used it to bust his balls when I saw him in a sushi restaurant. And I'm like, yeah. hi, I'm John from Blues Travel. You might remember my guitar player's wife, Serena. <laughs> Did you and do that? And then he started like, oh, yeah, hi. And like, he, I, he just knows to feel a little guilty. I just remember yeah. the messages. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. You, got you never once said, did you fuck him in Bali? She, she, at the time, we were in the, we were in our love bubble. So okay, no it way. It was all good. All right, yeah. buddy. Yeah. All right. We I, I've got other stories, but I shan't share them here. <laughs> Man, that question's just hanging in the air. I know, it? isn't it? <laughs> just sitting there. All right, we'll hey, leave it but at that. Even if she did, it's like Mick Jagger, right? You give her a pass? Oh no! I mean, you know, and not, a, not at the time, at the time, exam. at the time, we were on the bubble. But later on, she fooled around a little bit. I, those stories I shan't share. But you're yeah. okay now. And then those, my my wife and I are separated. Okay, but we're best friends. Cool. So I've heard all the the naughty stories. Oh really? I know. Oh god. <laughs> I guess that's things a, I know. The benefit of having kids what is you got to keep. I won't. Them. I won't tell. On the I, radio. I won't tell people these stories because it'll ruin the Rolling Stones yeah. for everyone. Right, that's what it'll ruin. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. They 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 can't take a hit. Rolling Stones will be devastated no, no, by no, the chances. No. That's why it's just not for talking. everyone that might hear this story. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Oh, for really? That might hear the story. Which stone will it ruin, Mick? It'll ruin Chan's stone oh. when, when his wife I, kicks him really hard in them. Yeah. <laughs> his stones will be rolling. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, buddy. But you know, I had the best compliment though. I was reading Rolling Stone interview, and um, apparently. Ever since I said that to Mick, like you need help sitting in on the harmonica on Miss You, they were teasing him about it because uh, Keith goes, "Hey, maybe we'll get the blues traveler guy to help you play." And he's like, "Fuck off!" Uh, and they go, hey, and Mick, the interview goes, "He's good," and Mick goes, "Yeah, too good." Really? I've got that in my house somewhere. I got. Well, they say that it. about a lot of people. I think. This yeah. <laughs> I, did you read that book that uh, the bio- the autobiography of Keith? Rich- yeah. Oh, I'm saving that. I got it. It's fucking great. What a what a storyteller too. Yeah. And it's like, and believe it or not, I remember it all. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Every bit of it. Like it, clearly, he spoke it to like spoke it to somebody, and they transcribed it. Well, you no, know, he wrote it all in notebooks. He just like scrawled out tons of stuff in notebooks, and he gives I mean, it to the little, writer his notebooks. It's a little then, large, like, and it's a little about Keith, but it's his fucking well, book. It's his but book. Some of it, yeah, but some of it was great. Him, I, when I first met him, I pulled a knife on him because I hear he likes knives. I was yeah. like, look at my new knife. Yeah, and what he did? Like, hey, that's cool. You know, but and I also brought him some moss from my yard. I put in a little Tiffany box. Moss? Why? Because because I hear they don't gather any. Oh, uh, very uh, clever. I, right? Did he get that? No. Yes, he did. Come on. He did, He patted me on the head. And you're a gun guy, right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> did I didn't, get, no, I didn't pull a gun on Keith Richards. But you got some guns. Not on me, no. What, what do you need? Well, no, I, someone, I think my girlfriend was uh, was poking around, and she said, oh, he's got guns. Yeah, I have a few. <laughs> They're fun to fire. I've I've enjoyed firing John's uh, arsenal. Yes, and out on his- Knockwood, I haven't shot anyone. 
But what, you collect them or you just- uh, I'll pretty much collect them Your bunker point. mentality? You, you um, I like to think of it as a playful, something my friends pointed out is they're not worried about me because I don't have a million rounds of ammunition, you mm-hmm. know? I got enough for each gun, you know, but not like bunker style. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not- Yeah, he he's not one of those guys that's, that's, They're not organized in any fashion where like I could, you know, it's up in the attic. It's not like I could really, I don't- You're not have, waiting for this shit to go down. You're yeah. not waiting for your calling. I'm, I'm waiting as much as the next guy However, is, you know? However, if shit- does I'll make a half assed effort We're to get the to the tour bus to drive to John's house yeah. and lock I'll in dig baby. a trench, I guess. You know, I'll try. But how First far am I going to get? Go. Where do you live? I'd say I got about two weeks when the big shit goes down. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You got about two weeks to make your stand and then yeah. you're done. At least, yeah. Go go try and take over a convenience It'd store. Just be like your is... your harmonica vest and some. Uh, I think some, the best uh, bet is to load belt. up your car, yeah. drive to a convenience store, take that over. And, and just map out where the next convenience store and convenience store your way to the wilderness. You got a plan. That's something. And, and anyone who wants to come with me, in we're more a, than in, happy. In, to... a tour, in an armor-plated tour bus, and we're going to get on top. So, so if you know our, you yeah. So if you want to chop wood or, you know, you're really a sexy woman, come with me and let's procreate. Does it sound people. like we've talked about this late night on the tour bus? Yeah, like we've, had, we've made <laughs> up you some got plans. A plan. got yeah. a plan. Where do you live, though? Uh, I live outside of uh, Seattle, a place called Snohomish. Oh, it's pretty up there, man. Oh, it's gorgeous. You got like a big chunk of property and shit? Uh, about six acres now. That's a lot. Yeah. That's good. Had uh, 32 acres in uh, Pennsylvania, but it's kind of weird paying for the property tax on a stuff you don't actually walk on and you just see it. Yeah, but is it worth- It, it felt like a country jam. You unloaded but... it? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... So uh, why Pennsylvania? That was, uh, I was the last guy to move away from home. You know, like it was, it was like New Jersey, but better gun laws. You know, I could build a range in the backyard. New Jersey, you're allowed to have guns if you bury you them get, and never think of them. You're right. Did you get busted, though? Um, in Washington, yeah. For yeah. guns. Well, Actually, no. For weed. No. Oh. no, and this is the best thing. The, the, the pictures were all of this. The gun. He was coming back. We they were down, all legal. We've been down doing an album yeah. in down in Texas. Yeah. And he was on his ride home, and he had them all locked securely, licensed for all of them. Unloaded. And, and the he was driving. Then the cops are pulling them open. You're like, oh my god! We were doing 111 miles an hour. Right, okay, and that that and, and the pot. You forego some problem. rights. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I got busted for min- misdemeanor pot possession, and um, that's the part nobody cares about. They're like, right. oh, so what? Yeah. How do you have the guns were all legal? He wasn't even driving 111. The guy. Yeah, I, I was away. smoking weed next to my friend who was driving my car 111 miles an hour. And the thing is, we were doing a buck Which 58 in Montana. Plan, by the way, kids. Don't. Yeah, the moral of the story is weed, Spokane is population. You got to slow down there and go yeah. to the speed limit again. Especially right. if you're smoking weed. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend that. So okay, so the next you... day was funny when I I got to go to the airport. And yeah, there's a 44 Magnum in the back seat of the limo. Yeah, and the limo driver guy he's trying to sell me a gun. He heard I like guns. Apparently, I'm all over the radio. Right, and my comments were uh, I don't want to get left behind if there's a national disaster. And really, the reason I have a siren in my car is that if there's an earthquake, people are getting the fuck out of my way. Right. But you don't say that to a cop. No, it's so not a good idea. I'm in the airport and everyone's looking at me like they caught me masturbating. I'm yeah. Like, Hi, John. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the kicker is there was a big tin container of ganja yeah. in my jacket. Yeah. As I go through security, <laughs> it went through. They don't look for that now. Apparently, I defeated the metal so I always detectors. I tell people, like, it's, a, it's like they're not looking for like. A that's the moments I believe in God because yeah. it was like you said, you've had enough, son. It, that's the only moments you believe in God? Well, it's one of them. Yeah. Not a big God guy. Well, I mean, I I believe in God, but you're definitely aware when you're about to crash your motorcycle or when you're going through yeah. the metal detector. So, how does it feel now? Like, I mean, you guys had a, a pretty big at, at your at the peak of the booze travel experience. What were what were the rooms you were playing? Um, Stadiums. Yeah, we did. Uh, not... We did these stadiums where we like we sold at Madison Square Garden. We yeah. were on like Square Saturday Night Live. We yeah. 
all kinds of fun stuff. What's the biggest room we did? Probably just Red Rock. Well, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I'd say Madison. Is that pretty exciting? Selling out MSG? That was that was a highlight. And the whole time we thought we hadn't sold it out, and then we found out, oh, yeah, there's 6,000 more tickets we forgot about. Oh, really? Yeah, that's fun. And did you move them? Oh, yeah. It turns out we'd sold them and didn't know we had. So what year was that? Uh, 96. Now, what have you guys been doing for, you know, since? Still playing. Playing? Making yeah. records? Do you, like, because you took a while off, you said. You took a time and you did in, some solo stuff. In 99, I did, uh, I took six months off and did a solo record. And then um, once Bobby died, we were really keen to keep the band going. And um, that meant uh, getting a new bass player and uh, Chan's little brother, Tad, uh, we'd known him forever. And he's a very different kind of bass player. And that's what we were interested in. We didn't want to like turn Bobby into a ghost and like have somebody Try to recreate play like him. that thing. That must be a hard to, like you were very conscious of that. Like, yeah. You know, well, that's and, and, gross. and Bobby always wanted to add keyboards. So, I mean, honestly, for the next yeah, three, I think the keyboard four, was something we'd always wanted to do. Three, so four years, for five years, was trying to like recapitulate what we were as a band, right? With these new guys, which is a which was an interesting and like cool creative endeavor, and we slowly started started to get it, and now you know now it's got a great pocket. Well, that great. like I listen to some of this record. That Susie craps cracks her whip, right? Susie craps the whip, craps her whip. That's yes. a stringy meal she has. Yes, I'll say. Mm. So uh, don't don't go. <laughs> So, that's but so that's funny. the latest record. Yeah. And it sounds tight. It sounds hooky. It sounds good. Uh, we really had an epiphany with uh, getting outside people to help us write songs, like the co-writing thing. I think we became a little too assembly line. Uh-huh. We wa- always wanted to do it all in-house, where somebody- Was there pressure a... to repeat the sound, though? Um, no. I think it was uh, more it's, of a rut. We were experimenting all the time, and but it was cool because we had, you know, we'd write our songs, and the, the, the stuff that worked, like, c- clicked right away, that'd be like four or five songs, was just Blues Traveler. Then we'd have some other music, or John would have some other uh, song ideas, or we'd bring other songs in from other people. Yeah. And that really fleshed out the album. So it wasn't just like five good songs and then. Yeah. So you find yourself writing the same song. You get like some good ideas and then you have to make more. And so you're starting to write the same song over and over again. And our process was getting uh, a little too rigid. It was, you know, somebody'd bring an idea that we'd get out a, a. a band song idea and then I'd go and sit in my car and write words to it and then while I was doing that they're working on the next song and it, it was just too much of an assembly line thing in uh, 2009 and 10 I went and uh, worked on another solo thing with uh, John O'Manson who was in one of those bands The Worms yeah. in the early days and um, I just put my own money in and it was really just fun to learn to co-write and I had a ball sometimes not writing anything and just being the vocalist yeah and then writing part of the music or part of the words. And that really got me excited. And I knew that these guys would love that process. And instead of going to my friends, we went to professional songwriters like uh, Ron Sexsmith and um, Alejandro Escobedo and Carrie I Rodriguez. love Alejandro Escobedo. Yeah. No, we wrote a really cool blues tune with him. And um, that, it was just so fun to watch them. T- I knew they would take to it like ducks in water. And I knew I wouldn't know where it was going to go. And that's the thing. It like multiplied that effect of wow new ideas because I, I think what helps is having somebody go you know what's cool about you guys yeah because when you're us you yeah. don't know what's cool about you you, yeah. you never know what's good it's about probably, you probably ha- becomes the opposite yeah <laughs> yeah you, you fixate on the shit that nobody cares about yeah. and so having somebody appreciate that that's the great thing about being an older band is that people know you yeah and when you're a young band you're always trying to show what you can do and when you're old you get to sort of revel in what you are right and i think that's the advantage of uh, co-writing because then you get to go, wow, this is something I didn't know I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's evident in Susie Cracks Whip. And also Sam Hollander, the producer, really um, 
he he knew how to get the vibe. It, I always liken it to a Quentin Tarantino movie, uh-huh. where he uh, doesn't really care as much about the continuity as much as he cares about the vibe and the feel of the song. And that's really what we need. I think we get hung up on the continuity too much. Like, no, this beat's it's sped up slightly. We have to keep it a rigid beat, and we right. get too much like a metronome. Right. Instead of the fact that it's a fun feeling song. Right. Oh, that's good. And he yeah. had a really great sense. Producers of that. make a big difference like that. Oh hell yeah. You want, right. Can you want to do a song? Can you do yeah. a song? Oh, no, yeah. of All course. Right. Hey, it's working for me. So we should just start Go it up? Ahead, yeah. All right. This is called You Don't Have to Love Me. But you're still mad at me And all your reservations Will be washed upon the sand And you don't have to love me But tonight I'll be your man Yeah, you don't have to love me Tonight I'll be your man
Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks, John. Cool. Thanks. Chandler. Appreciate you coming. Thanks no for problem, having man. us. This yeah, is a great fun. interview, man. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's really, very sweet of you. Really good interview. That it was, was cool. fun. It was fun. A lot of fun, man. Well, good luck with everything. That's it, my friends. Do you know what I know? That's it. That's the show. I love you. I love you all. I do. Even though, even you people who are annoyed by me, I love you. I'm full of the unconditional love today. Now, if I could just give it to myself. I'm glad you guys like the uh, Dave's Old Porn, too. Wasn't that a great talk with uh, John and Chan? Blues Traveler. I'm glad you got you guys who watched it like the Dave old, uh, Dave's Old Porn episode. That was fun. Hope you got some nice presents. Uh, I'll be in the Improv in Fort Lauderdale at the Hard Rock January 4th through 6th. And I, as from what I understand, Jerry Seinfeld will also be, you know, literally 100 feet away from me. I'm, I'm going to try. I'll be at Good Nights in Raleigh, January 10th through 12th. I'll be at the Ice House in Pasadena, January 13th. I'll be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, February 8th. And I'll be announcing many more dates uh, very soon, next week probably. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Uh, get on the uh, mailing list. Get, uh, get the app. Upgrade to the premium app. Leave some comments. Do whatever you got to do over there. You know, do the Libsyn thing. Get your JustCoffee.co up there. Just, uh, I just got my, uh, some Boomer Lives buttons. It was a really sad thing. Because right when Boomy disappeared, just before I'd ordered a bunch of Boomer buttons, because he was becoming a star. Maybe that's what he did. He, he just couldn't handle the success. Uh, happy Holidays.